0: Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. I'll start by saying that most safety incentive programs that I see do not truly change the workplace. They rely upon stuff not occurring. As an example, for an employee to receive the incentive, the employee must not be injured, or the workplace must not have an injury or a lost time incident. While businesses think that they are incentivizing employees to work safely, that's actually not what's happening. Employees don't think they'll get injured, not because of hubris, but because the statistics say they won't. Employees recognize some level of danger in what they do, but they overestimate their abilities to be safe and assume if someone gets injured, it will be someone else. In theory, that's true. In 2018, on average in the United States, only 2.8% of employees experienced an OSHA recordable injury or illness at work. So in a group of 100 employees, only 3 are likely to get injured. So the odds that any one specific employee is injured is approximately 1 in 33. Your odds of winning on a scratch-off lottery ticket are much better. In the safety incentive program in this example, employees tend to do nothing to improve safety because in their mind, it won't happen to them. There is another problem with the type of safety incentive program I previously mentioned. In 2001, Scott Geller, in his book titled The Psychology of Safety Handbook, writes about the dead man test. If an employee were to die at home and it's not noticed that he didn't come to work and he is still eligible for the safety incentive, then the safety incentive doesn't pass the dead man test because the employee didn't have to do anything to make the workplace safer, but he is still rewarded. Maybe we should call this the Weekend at Bernie's test. So, a successful incentive program needs to have engagement of all employees, and expect the employees to do something to earn their reward. Don't reward people for doing nothing. The last type of problem with these types of incentive programs that I will discuss is that because they count on nothing happening, employees tend to ensure nothing happens. Employees under these types of incentive programs tend not to report incidents, incidents that will cause them or their coworkers to lose their reward for meeting the safety incentive measures. If you have a safety incentive program that relies upon incidents not occurring, OSHA feels this incentivizes employees to not report injuries and illnesses and violates OSHA's record keeping standard, which can result in an OSHA citation. Now I want to talk about what a good safety incentive program consists of. In the Leading Indicators Podcast, Week 17, published on January 14, 2020, I talked about what leading indicators are and how they can be used. The same philosophy applies to safety incentives. The incentive needs to be focused on what it is that the organization wants to change that will lead to positive results. In other words, do not focus on having no injuries. Focus on what employees need to do to achieve no injuries. So, the incentive needs to be something specific, measurable, and actionable. Typically, at an organizational level, there may be several things that a company wants to do to improve safety. Maybe you want to see better compliance with lockout or the control of hazardous energy. However. If you give this the serious thought it deserves when creating an incentive based upon lockout, you quickly realize that not many employees can truly impact lockout, maybe just maintenance employees and some production employees. So, you decide that you need another idea for incentives. Maybe it's proper usage of personal protective equipment, such as safety glasses, steel-toed boots, and high-visibility vests, or whatever is required in your organization. But then you realize that you have many employees who are not required to wear PPE, so that doesn't pass the dead man test for those employees either. Ultimately, what I see in most organizations is that multiple incentive measures need to be identified to ensure all employees have one or more actions they need to complete to be eligible for the incentive. Maybe maintenance has a lockout incentive, production employees have a personal protective equipment incentive, and office staff have an incentive focused on completing inspections of the entryways and sidewalks in the winter to ensure snow and ice are adequately controlled, and in other seasons, they complete safety audits within the facility. Likely, as you listen to this, you agree that incentives focused on actions employees must take make more sense than incentives relying upon the hope that nothing occurs. We want employees to be actively engaged in making the workplace safer. You also have realized that these types of incentives are challenging to manage because now you have another employee performance measure to monitor. I cannot think of an incentive that if it's truly focused on having an employee do something, is simple to measure to ensure that the employee is performing as necessary to qualify for the incentive. This is another reason that employers fall into the trap of only basing incentives on injuries, lost time incidents, etc. It's easy to measure things that are occurring infrequently. Good incentives are challenging because it takes hard work to conduct ongoing measurement. Lastly, what should your incentive program reward be? That's up to you. Many employers will give away items such as clothing, hats, mugs, reusable water bottles, or the like with the company logo on them. Others may give away gift certificates or cash or even an extra day of paid time off. Whatever you give, make sure that employees actually want the reward. Bill Sims, in his book Green Beans and Ice Cream, reported that in a survey he completed, the three most appreciated incentive rewards were cash, positive verbal comments from the supervisor, and a paid day off. Yes, you heard that right one of the top incentives you can provide is free. It's heartfelt, positive feedback and recognition when an employee does the right thing. Your incentive program does not need to be expensive, just focused with ongoing monitoring to recognize when employees are doing the right thing. Be careful of cash and gift cards. These are considered income by the IRS, and employees will need to pay taxes on them. I don't know of any employee who views or sees more taxes as an incentive. So, if you're not using a safety incentive program, Or you have no desire to implement one, I still encourage you to think about how you reward your employees for a job well done. If you are using or thinking about using a safety incentive program, take some time to assess what your program is really achieving as you have it or see it designed. Keep these points in mind. The program needs to be specific, the incentive needs to be focused on actions needed to prevent injuries from occurring, the activities you want employees to perform to achieve the incentive must be measurable so you can actually see and monitor performance. Lastly, you need the activities to be actionable. You have to require employees to do something to achieve the incentive reward. They don't have to do anything. Then what are you really rewarding them for? I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, create a safer workplace and email me if you have any questions or suggestions.